You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. And so on, on Monday morning, I just woke up, I got myself ready as I normally did, and I showed up to the office at 8 o'clock. Now, thankfully, I had a key, so I let myself in, but I let myself in, and I got in the elevator, and I took it up to the third floor, and I noticed, gosh, it's kind of quiet. Well, that's okay. It's the summertime. The school's out, so I'm guessing the building's just quieter during that time. And I got up to the third floor, and the door's open, and I thought, well, man, no one turned the lights on yet. Uh, so I made my way around. I'd already had a tour, so I knew at least where I was going and where my office was. And I walked through the office, and I was the only person there. There was not another other single staff person there. So I walked into my office. I sat down. Now, remember, I had just graduated seminary, so I knew a whole bunch of stuff, but I had no idea what I was supposed to do on my first day of work, right? So I just sat down at my desk, and I thought, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do today. And about an hour and a half later, the first staff person showed up, and they were kind of surprised, like, like, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I came in at 8. What time do y'all come in? Like, oh, most of us are 9.30 or 10. Because a lot of what we do in the church involves evenings and Bible studies and things in the night. So I was, I was the sucker who showed up at 8 o'clock and worked till 8 o'clock that night. I wonder if anybody else has ever had that experience where you were kind of thrown into the deep end. You were kind of tossed out into something, and you really were told or had to sink or swim in that moment. Maybe like me, it was a job. Maybe after graduation. Maybe it was when you had kids, but you just felt like everybody was around you, and it was all supportive, kind of like a graduation. They kind of gave you that shove out, and then you're thinking like, uh, what, do I, what do I do now, right? Maybe you've experienced that at some point in your life, being thrown in the deep end, and being expected to sink or swim. This is going to help us as we begin to understand uh, how the Scripture helps us to live in the moment and how, in particular, we can practice gratitude. So today what I want to invite us to do is to look at just a few brief passages from the book of 1 Thessalonians. And it's really, I'll come back to this in a minute, it's really the summation of the Apostle Paul writing to this church. And he gives them a lot of advice And here's some of the advice. Paul says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in every situation, because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I think that this is helpful advice because when we don't know what to do, or in my case, when I didn't know what to do, I found myself just sitting in my office Now, the second half of this story is that one of the the benefits of that was uh, my window on the corner that I was on happened to look out over uh, the Orlando City Hall. Uh, You could see at that point the the completion of the, the, um, where the magic play, I forgot what that's called in this moment. And and so I didn't know what else to do. So I just began to look out the window and, and almost felt this prayer well up in my heart. It wasn't something I did consciously, but I just felt this into my heart. And I just began to look out the window and I could see the buildings, and I could see the people walking on the streets, and I just began to pray for the city. And I just began to pray that whatever God had already been doing in Orlando, that I would find a way to be a part of that. That we as a church who'd been established at that point since 1885, that we would feel a fresh invitation to be a part of what Jesus was doing in downtown Orlando. I began to pray just for the people I saw walking down the street, that they would, just, that they would have a good day, that whatever struggles they might be experiencing, that those would be lifted in that moment. I didn't know what else to do, but I just had this this moment of prayer. And I found myself just giving thanks to God for the opportunity to be a part of God's church, 
to be in a place where I could pray for other people. And I realized in that moment, what I was experiencing is what we're being told here in 1 Thessalonians, to give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And one of the things that we can learn in this season as we're trying to live in the moment, as we're making these adjustments back to whatever the next normal will look like, is that when we don't know what to do or we feel like we're just kind of thrown into the deep end of what's next, the way that we can respond is with gratitude. Is with gratitude. Now, I want to share a little bit about the city of Thessalonica because that'll help us to understand some of the ways that that shapes how we live. Uh, Thessalonica was a Greek city. This is the city of the people that Paul is writing to. And it was the capital of the province, and it was really one of the largest areas and cities in that period in Greece in those times. So it was a notable city. It was an important trade city. It it wasn't kind of like some of those smaller areas that we know in our region. It was one of those prominent cities. And in the book of Acts, we find that Paul is, they explain what Paul is doing in Thessalonica. It says, Paul and Silas journeyed through Ampelus and Apollia and then came to Thessalonica where they were, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he entered the synagogue and for three Sabbaths interacted with them on the basis of the scriptures. Through his interpretation of the scriptures, he demonstrated that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. And he declared, this Jesus who I proclaim to you is the Christ. And here's what happened. Some were convinced and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of Greek God worshipers and quite a few prominent women. And so what we find is that Paul and Silas and Timothy, whose lives had been upended by the good news of Jesus, are going out as missionaries to establish new churches. Sounds familiar, right? And they're establishing a new church in the city of Thessalonica where there was not a a church before, but there was a synagogue. And so their method was to begin in the synagogues and share about Jesus and his fulfillment as the Messiah. The problem was is that bringing this new faith in began to put them at odds with the others in the city religiously and with some of the leaders in the city. And so they have to escape very quickly under the cover of night. They're not there for very long. And so what happens was that First United Methodist Church of Thessalonica finds themselves established, finds people who are following Jesus, but all they know is what Paul and Silas and Timothy told them in a very brief encounter. So like most of us, they have been thrown into the deep end of faith, and they're trying to figure out what in the world do we do next? How do we live faithfully in this moment of time, in this place in history, when we're just beginning to grasp what faith means. There was no time for a full teaching, and so Paul is writing this letter to them that we've just read as an invitation to answer some of their questions. If we were to look at Thessalonians, it's basically an FAQ. You know FAQs from websites, frequently asked questions? That's what Paul is giving them. Here's a lot of bullet points of things you need to know. Some of the things that they were interested in is Paul was writing to encourage them in their faith, basically to say to hold strong, stay connected to Jesus, hang on to this. It'll make sense as you walk through it. He was giving them instructions on how to live faithfully now that they had moved from either no faith or a different faith to the Christian faith. He was assuring them of Jesus's return. And 
one of the very practical questions that they had, it wouldn't be as promising or as practical to us, was there was a concern that Jesus was coming back soon, like within the next couple of years at that point. Remember, this is like 50 years after Jesus is resurrected, so very close in time. And their understanding was that Jesus was coming back in the next couple of years, and they were worried what would happen to those who'd already passed away before Jesus returns. Maybe those of us who've been in the church for any period of time feel like we could answer that question easily. But maybe you can also understand how that was a very worrying question for families and those in Thessalonica and individuals who said, what about our loved ones who've already passed away and and Jesus comes back? What happens to them? These are practical things. So Paul writes to explain some of these things that he didn't have time to do in the moment. I mean, here's the thing. They were, they were thrown into their faith without a life preserver. They didn't even have those little floaties like my kids have for the pool. And they were struggling to stay afloat in that moment in their faith. And so Paul extends this letter to them as a way of saying, here's the, here's the essentials and the basics. And I think one of the key essentials that we can hang on to in this time, as we're being thrown back into the world, as we're going back into situations, I know some are going back to work, and office work and job life, it's just going to look very different than it did pre-pandemic. I mean, schools look very different than they ever did before. Life is just going to be different. And we're struggling to kind of grasp for what we need, and we don't need kind of like an entire manual, but we need something to hang on to. And what I want to offer you today to hang on to is this idea of practicing gratitude. Because practicing gratitude can anchor us in the moment. So I want to talk about how we can do that, how we can give thanks in every situation. And I think it's very simple for us to say, oh, just give thanks in every situation. In the present moment, we want to be grateful and we want to feel thankful. And throughout the testimony of Scripture, this has been a common theme from the beginning. God's people were thankful for things like food and like land. They were thankful for things like redemption and worship and God's goodness the, the whole idea of thankfulness that we see in the scriptures here comes from a Greek word uh, for Eucharist, which if you've been around maybe more traditional church is the same word we might use for communion. And, and so all this is really circling together to show us that really most of the Christian life is a way of living our lives in thanks towards God for what we receive, whether it's the tangible things or it's the goodness of God towards us. And I believe Paul tells them and us this because it's helpful to be thankful. I'm not a medical expert, but you don't have to know much about medicine to know that those who practice gratitude are are happier and healthier, that being someone who is thankful can help reduce sickness. It can help us to sleep better at night. It can improve the relationships that we have with others, and it can help to reframe our mindset to overcome adversity. Now, it's not a guarantee that everything in our life will all of a sudden be magic and perfect. But what gratitude does is it works in our life to reshape our focus and our priorities. So what they may not have understood from a scientific point of view back then, we can understand, but it still makes it just as powerful. In fact, in Colossians, in the letter to the Colossians, it says, Be rooted and built up in him, in Jesus. Be established in the faith and overflow with thanksgiving just as you were taught. Maybe that's a good connection for us. We, we overflow ourselves at the Thanksgiving table. I mean, at least I do. No judgment if you do. I do. Thanksgiving is just time for me to go all in, right? It's that idea we're, we're overflowing with thanks. 
But did you notice it says be rooted and built up? Trees are stable because of their roots. <laughs> Most Sundays, if you join with us outdoors, this is a very different experience because nothing is running away at this moment, right? For those who maybe haven't been with us as we worshiped outside, we were always at the mercy of the wind. And so a TV was always about to fall over. A tent like we had outside had already probably taken off and gone a different direction. Uh, we were being windblown. Things were moving. And I could always see people's eyes like looking at like, what's the next thing that's going to leave, right? And of course, trees, these tall, slender things don't move because they have root systems that lock them into place. And what I hear the scripture telling us is that gratitude is like a root system that helps to lock us in place when things are blowing around us, whether in our life or around us. And so while the idea of practicing gratitude and being thankful may sound like, like oh, I mean, that's a great idea. I'm coming to see that this can be one of the roots that really holds us strong in our faith in challenging and in changing times. Our root is thankfulness. And I want to remind us that when Paul writes to these followers of Jesus, these new converts in the faith, he doesn't do that in a vacuum. He knows what they're facing because he, he spells it out in the letter. And so when Paul says to them, give thanks, he's not pretending like everything is already peachy in their life and great. He knows that they are already facing adversity and persecution and questions about their faith and people who are circling around them saying, what in the world are you doing with your life? Why would you follow this teaching from these people who came to our city? And so he's writing to them out of a desperate attempt to help them to hold on in a challenging season. So this morning, I want to invite us to think about how we can practice gratitude in every situation, or as we're looking at in this series, in the moments, in the moments. As I mentioned, they were facing persecution for their new faith. They were confused about how to live. There were competing voices for their attention. There were even, as we saw, believers who were freeloading. You remember in the book of Acts, it talks about how the, the church shared things in common. And for some folks, that meant that they didn't have to do anything to contribute. They could just receive. And so Paul is helping them to see that, no, we all contribute together. And there was an uncertainty about death of loved ones. And maybe those aren't your concerns as you walk in this morning, but I bet we can draw some correlations. Have you ever been made to feel like an outsider or an outcast for how you believe or for who you are? Have you ever wondered, what in the world does God expect from me? Have you ever struggled because following Jesus would change how you lived and how you acted and how you responded to other people? In particular, those that we would typically cast as our enemies or those we'd rather not be around? Has your kindness or your generosity ever been taken advantage of by someone else? And if you feel like you've experienced at least a couple of those things on that list or other adversities because you follow Christ, then you find yourself in the same boat that they did. And Paul is saying, in the midst of these situations, to give thanks. This is real life. He's inviting us to live in the moment, to give thanks in the moment, because all of us can fill a list of struggles and challenges, and it takes a lot of work to practice gratitude. It takes a lot of work to be thankful when things are not going right or when things are going painfully wrong. 
It's not a magic wand saying, I'm thankful. It's not like a little, like, like a little fairy dust and like a little ding, and everything kind of turns out just right. Like we live in an area where we believe like a ding will like turn everything around, right? And, but I want to remind us that just because we follow Jesus doesn't fix everything, but it does root us in Jesus. So at the very sum of it all, I think that gratitude isn't just an outward thing that we do. It's not just a thing we practice. It's not just secondary. I really believe that, that gratitude is an act of worship. And worship, sometimes we, cor- we correlate that with just the songs we sing. Like, okay, so we've done worship, and now we're going to do a sermon, and then we'll do worship again. But really, everything that we do in worship is everything that we do. And it's what we do in this space, and it's what we do out there in the world. Worship is anything that helps us focus our attention on the God who is and to see the world that God has created around us. And gratitude is a spiritual act of worship because it connects us to God and it connects us to the world that God has made. So while this may not fix everything in our lives, and I've seen that firsthand, we've been practicing gratitude in a very tough season in our own life, and it hasn't. It hasn't fixed some of the key things that we've needed it to. But I'll tell you what it has fixed. It has fixed my attitude. And it has changed the way that I've interacted with other people, especially people that I feel like are, are in a sense, (laughs) working against me. And while I hope that my gratitude as an act of worship can change some of the situations and scenarios that, that we're experiencing, what I realize is that what God is really interested in is changing me and how I see the world. And so at the end of this, when Paul says, you know, because of this, don't be ignorant, but understand the Lord's will. We see that here in Ephesians 5.17, and we saw it again in the earlier passage, this idea of God's will. Remember it said that practice Thanksgiving because this is God's will for you. And I want to kind of wrap this up by saying that sometimes we get this idea of the will of God confused, and we think that the will of God is this a predetermined plan that will happen. And in a sense, there's nothing that we could do that could change any of that, whether for the better or for the worse. That the will of God is this one established track that goes this way. And and it's almost like we spend so much of our time trying to figure out what is that one thing that God, what is the will of God? And as humans, we've so narrowed God to one option only that we've caused this passage to mean something very different. This word, the will of God, is essentially to say God's hopes and desires for you and for me and for this world. Hopes and desires are what God wants to see in me and in us and in this world. But we also recognize that God gave us free will choice as humans. I can choose to mess things up all I want, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, most of the time unintentionally. right? But because God loves and cares for us and wants us to choose God, God gives us the ability to choose freely what will happen and what we will do and how we will respond. And because humans have free will, it makes a mess of the world. But God still has a desire and a hope for how things will unfold in this moment and in all the moments to come. And so the invitation isn't for us just to resign ourselves and say, well, there's nothing I can do about any of this. It's to press in deeper and say, God, what is your hope and your desire for me? How can I root myself in this season and give thanks?
So I want to conclude by offering you just a simple practice that I believe can change your outcome. If you're struggling with this, if you struggle with, with gratitude because of something that's going on or something that's happened to you or a concern you have about the future, if you're a journaling person, I'd encourage you just to grab a page in your journal. If you're a more digital person, just grab the note feature on your phone. And I want to invite you each day just to make a new bullet point and just write to God one thing you're grateful for. It could be something as simple as, Lord, I'm glad that I am awake in this moment. Right? Or thank you for my job or for my family. Or thank you for the opportunity that I have to live in this community. Or if you will just take for the next maybe 30 days, you could even do it for a week, and begin to list just one thing each day you're grateful for. It may not feel like much. But at the end of the week, go back to it. And what I'm inviting us to do is to remember the God who is faithful, the God who meets us despite our circumstances around us. What I'm inviting us to do is, is a tangible way to practice gratitude. Just journal it down, write it down in your phone, find some way to keep one bullet point a day of something that you are thankful for or someone that you are thankful for. And this is a spiritual act of worship. Right? All of your answers don't have to be like, oh, God, thank you for the Bible. Well, like, what else is churchy around here? Like, thank you for, um, like, like, crosses and stuff like that. You don't have to go for the churchy answers. Go for the real answers. Because God's desire for us is that we would know, that we would really know that God can be trusted in every situation. That worrying about the past or about the future is natural because we're human, but it takes us out of the present where God is and meets us. Gratitude puts us back into God's presence. And I've learned, as you probably have, that when I don't practice gratitude, I just feel out of sorts. That I miss the good that God is doing around me because I'm not paying attention. But when I do practice gratitude, and when I do that more regularly, I can more clearly see how God is good in this moment. So I want to invite us to do that today. And we'll get started with that right this morning. There's no need to wait until tomorrow or tonight. I want to invite us as we move into a time of prayer. Um, just we'll do this in our own hearts, just to lift up something to God that we're thankful for. I'll give you a moment of kind of silent pause. And, and in your heart and your mind, just, just say to God something that you're grateful for. Um, if you're watching with us online and you'd like to express that, please put it in the comments. We'd love to read those. And then we'll close together with the Lord's Prayer. So let's pray. God, I'm grateful that we've gathered this morning. There was a season this time last year where we couldn't even do this. Lord, thank you for gathering your people together online and in person. Lord, there are so many things circling around us that are happening at all levels of the world and at all levels of our lives that it's just so easy for us to get stuck on all that it's wrong. And we can miss out on you because we miss the moments of gratitude. So Lord, in this moment, in the silence of the moment, we just want to offer to you the things that we are grateful for. And we do that now. Lord, would you call our attention this week to the places where we can be thankful. Teach us as your children how we can worship you with thanksgiving.
and how that plants us firmly in this moment and firmly in you. We can ask all of this not because we have confidence in ourselves, but because we have confidence in you, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.